Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi friends, Simon Miller from What Culture here. And what I really wanted to do at the start of today's ups and downs was thank each and every single one of you for tuning in every single week. But I started to go, thank you, John, and thank you, Margaret, and thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Thomas, and thank you, thank you, thank you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to take ages. So instead, I wrote you a lovely little poem. Because Raw is a show on TV, it happens every week, and if you choose to watch it, you're probably a geek. It also features matches and there's a lot of factions, but that is why at the end, there's a hell of a lot of distractions. <laughs> That's right, we are rocking and rolling again. So let's take this, the finger of power, give it a kiss, and give the good bits an up, and the bad bits a down. Judgment Day were out to start Raw, and as they have been doing over the last few weeks, they have started to match up their outfits so you can look at them and go, oh, they just look as pretty as a picture. When Jimmy Smith confirmed that at Extreme Rules in the Fight Pit match, Daniel Cormier is going to be the special guest referee. And that made me do a little dance. Like DC, he's cool. Finn Balor also started talking about Edge and said that he could only outrun his fate for so long. I was like, oh man, maybe that was the secret plot of the outrun game. It does make it more interesting. When Damien Priest also got a microphone, everyone was like, ha ha, Edge, we're gonna kill you. Dominic Mysterio eventually had the microphone and I'm pretty sure that he said that Ray isn't his father and he has a new family now. It's like, Dolly boy, come here. That's not how it works. He may not be your daddy, and he's definitely your father. They started to rag on AJ Styles too, which apparently is where the line is. Because as soon as his name had come out of their mouth, out came AJ Styles. He was like, you better shut up. Rey Mysterio also arrived, which meant, yes, our first match was going to be Rey Mysterio and AJ Styles taking on Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And you could have done this in precisely 78,961 dimensions. And in every single one, it would have been good. The whole story here too was that AJ Styles kept getting beaten up. And every time he tried to make a tag to Rey, Rhea Ripley was there to stop this from happening. And then at one point, she basically beat him up in a ref didn't see. Eventually, AJ was able to hit this awesome double DDT, so he was ready to slap someone's hand. But at that point, Ray was in Rhea's face going, you better stop doing this, and you better stop corrupting my boy, as Dominic was all like, no, daddy, I love her. 
We know that story, it's old as time itself. Tell me the whole time was also like, hit me daddy, hit me right in the face. This is when Ripley did take Ray out with a clothesline. It totally left AJ Styles all by himself. He got hit with the coup de grace. One, two, three. And it's Judgment Day one again. So they are absolutely on a roll right now. They are standing tall, so I am going to give it an up. And we had some stuff after this too, because AJ was like, Ray, you are an absolute pants tag team partner. What were you doing? Obviously, Ray was like, it's my son. It's my son. Somebody please help me, son. AJ didn't care about this. And he pushed Ray Mysterio to the ground before being like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done it. Much like we feel after we smash a tub of Pringles. This was really smart, though, because it's showing you that Judgment Day is making their way into AJ's psyche. And maybe eventually he'll join them or they'll just have one old big match. However, we cannot ignore the fact that this was a distraction finish. You better get used to those on this episode of Raw and bring it down. I knew we should bring it back. I could smell it. It rolls up to three. We only started it again last week. Judgment Day made sure to beat up AJ Styles after this as well. But according to Balor, like usual, that doesn't mean anything as long as they don't go too far. I have no idea. During this match too, I also noticed in the crowd that somebody had a sign and give me an up sign. At the bottom of the piece of paper, it basically had arrow, 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 arrow. That's when I realized, oh my gosh, that shape is now kind of associated with me. But I do always appreciate it, and I am your humble servant, so my friend, you do get an up. Thanks for caring. Kevin Patrick was then interviewing Bobby Lashley. It was all like, oh, Bob, you've held that title for almost three months. And Lashley did the whole, really? I held it for three months? I didn't even realize this. But don't forget, I have beaten everybody on the roster and I'm the best. He also wants to make sure that he takes on new opponents that have heart and passion, which is when Mustafa Ali walked in. And even though he did the whole, oh, yo, Bobby, give me a title shot, Bob was all like, no, my boy, you must climb the ranks. And only then will I challenge you. Mustafa was like, no, did you not hear what I said? I want to do this right now. Rightfully so, Bob was a bit proud of this too, because he was like, wait a minute, I just told you, I've defeated the likes of Roman Reigns, I've defeated the likes of Drew McIntyre, but you think you can just walk in here and throw out these crazy fights? I won't take it anymore, so I'm going to beat your ass later. This meant he did accept, and yes, once again, as I've already talked about, it was a proper, oh, hello, sir, can I please have a title match? And the other person is, yes, of course you can. But this one actually had story behind it, and these two guys totally smashed it out of the park. So you see, it really can be this easy. And then the bloodline were on Raw. This was the right decision, because as of right now... I think Sami Zayn is probably the MVP of WWE. You can't say that because MVP is the MVP in WWE. Somebody needs to change a name. It was absolutely brilliant though because we cut to them mid-joke or at least Sami Zayn telling a story to Jimmy Uso about how he set a bunch of stuff on fire. And at one point the camera panned to Sola Sokoa who was like, man, I'm sick of this story. <laughs> when they went back, he was laughing too. My word, I love it. As ever, this is when Jay Uso walked in. <laughs> he just had a face of thunder. Because as always, he's just like, listen, Sami Zayn, I hate you and I want to chop off your head. Sami almost snapped into the same mood there, though, because he is trying to win over Jay. And this is when they went for a walk and they bumped into the street brothers. Now, they were literally just down the halls. How the hell they didn't know they were there, I don't know. And straight away, they were all, you better say acknowledge me to Roman Reigns or that you acknowledge him because he's going to be on Raw next week. And it was quite clear that Montez Ford instead was going to say, I'm going to acknowledge these nuts. But rightfully so, Angelo Dawkins told him to calm down. Yusos wanted them to say something bad so they could deck them. When it was revealed that that's right, Montez is wearing a walking boot right now, 
so I suppose that he has been injured. They also threatened to break the other foot, which is when Angelo Dawkins went, well, if you do that, I'll take my own foot and I will shove it up Jay Uso's ass. I've been thinking about that all morning. I don't think that would be good for either of them. Thankfully, Sammy calmed the situation down, although later we were going to get Angelo Dawkins taking on Sola Sokoa, because Sola walked in and be like, man, I just want to fight you. I suppose we'll talk about it then, but this was all gold, because the bloodline was great. Clearly, WWE had then decided that Mustafa Ali had enough time to get ready, because it was our United States Championship match, that guy taking on Bob Lashley. I really like this a lot because one, it didn't go for 20 minutes and not every single match has to go for 20 minutes, but also two, we had another narrative here because even though Bobby Lashley was going, ha ha, I'm so powerful, Mustafa Ali would just not stay down for anybody. He was getting back to his feet. It also meant at one point he gave a 450 to Bobby Lashley's arm because he was like, well, if he has one less limb, I'd probably have a bigger chance, but he shouldn't have done this. Because after Bob had hit him with everything and Ali continued to get up, he went Super Power Man 9000 and he started to wreck it. Because even after he had smashed Mustafa with a choke slam, he kicked out. So he smashed him with a Dominator and he kicked out. And after he said, Ali, just stay down, Lashley got slapped round the face. So he took Mustafa Ali on the outside and he was chucking him into the ring post and he was chucking him into Timmy the Timekeeper's table. When I use those names, kind of takes away from the intensity of the segment. It kind of looked like Bobby Lashley was happy to win by countout, but of course when the referee got to nine, Ali got back in the ring. This is when he was slammed with a spear and put in the hurt lock, but even then, even though he probably couldn't breathe, he refused to tap out. (laughs) Eventually his body gave up on him and he passed out instead and Bobby Lashley was the victor. But like I say, in around about 10 minutes, we had sold the whole point that Mustafa Ali is a trooper and he won't quit for anybody. You've got to give that a round of applause. I thought this was really fun getting it up. Things then did get super interesting, though, because as soon as we were done, Seth Rollins ran to the ring, and he was just curb stomping everything. I mean, he was really into the stompy stomp. He also gave one on to Lashley, whose face went into the title, and it was confirmed later on that on the season premiere of Raw, it will be Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley round two for the title. So you have to presume that Seth is going to win at Extreme Rules, and then also become the United States champion, which begs the question, what the flub are we going to do with Mr. Lashley? WWE does deserve credit, though, because this title now really feels like it means something. Although I am going to be that guy, it would mean even more if the WWE championship was back on the show. But I suppose Roman Reigns doesn't want it. Seth also timed this very well, too, because he did hang around in the ring, and he was like, hi, I'm going to talk about the fight pit. But before that... Why don't we watch this lovely little video, which was also the right move because most of the fight bit has been shown on NXT. So now we could underline the concept to the main roster audience. When we were done with that too, Seth started to go, I am the king of the fight pit, which is when Riddle walked down and was like, you are not the king of the fight pit. In fact, you've never even been in a fight pit. I was like, Matt, that's not how it works. I can say that I'm the king of the full-haired warriors. It's just words and they don't mean anything. Seth instantly reminded Riddle that they had a no-contact rule in place here so they couldn't beat each other up. And this is when they started throwing barbs and we escalated here because the first one was Matthew going, oh, that's not a problem because you've already got a scar on your head. I was like, you better come up with stuff better than that. We did, though, because straight away Riddle said, listen, Rollins, when we get to our match at the pay-per-view premium live event, I am going to kill you. That's what he said. 
kill. He also mentioned that Daniel Cormier is going to have to drag Seth Rollins' lifeless body away from Riddle. I was like, oh, so he's going to be Daniel Coroner instead. <laughs> That's a terrible joke. I think Riddle then ran out of death threats because he was all like, oh, the fans are going to be singing the word bro to your theme. And that was not as intimidating as we had done so far. When Seth decided to cast friendship, because he was like, <laughs> I'm not worried. I've hung out with Daniel Cormier before, and we're buddies, we're pals. They then started to fire the real shots, because Rollins was all like, oh, how's your kids? How's your ex-wife? Oh, that's right, you don't get to see them anymore. When Matt was all like, oh, yeah, when was the last time you held a title? And when was the last time you made it at WrestleMania? Oh, that's right, you haven't, but your wife has. Now, the fans did react to this. They all went, whoa. But really, when you think about it, Seth kind of did main event WrestleMania 31, but also, what kind of insult is that? Oh man, your wife is really successful? Yeah, she is. It's good. It still got to Rollins though, when DC did appear on the big screen. He was like, listen you two, if you don't stop arguing, I'm going to turn this car around and there won't be a fight pit for anybody. And listen Seth, I am a fan of yours, but at Extreme Rules, I am calling it down the middle. And now look, yes, would this have been better with Daniel Cormier in the building? Of course it would have done, but beggars can't be choosers. And it ended with Seth leading the ring, and he knocked Riddle's hat off his head onto the floor because, of course, he was trying to wind them up because they weren't allowed to fight. I thought this was a great segment, though, because once again, we crossed that line between the world of pro wrestling and reality. Did it make me want to see them kick each other's ass? Of course it did. It is getting it up. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. 
Candice LeRae was then walking backstage when she said hi to all the baby faces. They were like, go, Candice. Well, that's right. A QR code appeared on the screen. Here we go again. This once more was like anti-Tetris in the sense it wasn't simple at all and you really have to go to town to figure it out. And one of the clues that somebody cracked was that when you took some binary code and you like transcribed it or translated it or whatever, it spelled out the word Gacy. This cracked me up because if you do go online, you get a bunch of nutters going, oh, well, that's it. It's not Bray Wyatt, it's Joe Gacy. He's being called up. This is a pile of crap I'm never watching again. Till I tune in next week. And look, maybe it is Bray Wyatt and maybe it's not Bray Wyatt. Maybe it's flipping Doink the Clown. I don't know. The point is you have to let this stuff play out and then make your judgment towards the end of it when we do get the big reveal. And even if it does suck, I think that you have to get behind WWE for actually having an angle that is super duper subtle. Because let's face it, one of the criticisms that has been thrown at the company over the last few years is that they can be very on the nose with stuff. Like if somebody attacks Bailey backstage and you're meant to think it was Bianca Belair, Corey Graves will pop up and go, oh, maybe it was Bianca Belair. It's like, yes, we know Corey. Let us just have some fun with it. So I think that all of these have rocked and I have massively appreciated that you have to put some effort in because it makes the reward even better. And for now, just cross your arms and let us wait. We also then had this dumb skit right afterwards because The Miz was on the phone in the locker room saying, Maurice, I love you, you're my favorite wife in the world, where Dexter Loomis kind of snuck through the door and he went to grab The Miz, but he wasn't able to grab them because without realizing, The Miz was ducking and dodging and diving. So I have no idea what's going on with this anymore because every single week Dexter is able to choke out The Miz and I presume kidnap him and then what, he just lets him go? Doesn't really make any sense. It then turned out that Candice was walking in this direction because she was heading to the ring to have a match with Dakota Kai. It was alright. The only issue I did have, and yes this ties into the intro, is that right now we have a lot of groups in WWE who do enjoy casting distraction. Now it makes sense that they would cast distraction because they're all trying to help each other out. But the problem is that Monday Night Raw is an entertainment show and every single match is starting to end the same way. Because Lorraine was kicking all the ass, she even hit this second rope German suplex when all of a sudden EO Sky was going, ha ha, look at me referee. And when she did so, Bailey quite literally pushed Candice off the turnbuckles when Dakota Kai zoomed in and hit the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment, the surprise roll up. She got the win. Now everything here was fine, so we do give it an up. But also, you have to bring it down. There's the distraction counter, my brand new toy, or my retoy, whatever you want to call it. It rolls up to four, and given how much this guy is going to come back for the rest of the evening, you've got to take the finger of power, and you've got to give it a down. And look, it does make sense, as I've already said. Damage control would cause shenanigans. Judgment date would cause shenanigans. The bloodline was cause shenanigans. But that doesn't mean it doesn't get a little bit dull after a while. Also, this is only Candice LeRae's second match on the main roster, and she lost. I thought that was a little bit lame. We were then backstage once again, and it turned out that The Miz had fallen foul of Dexter Loomis, because Johnny Gargano was walking through the halls. Wait, you just got this really quick shot of Dexter basically hugging The Miz, who was passed out. It then got quite weird, because when Johnny did turn around to have a proper look, and we got all that back into frame, Dexter Loomis was gone. And the Miz was freaking out, going, oh, don't touch me. And in his hand was a picture. And of course, it was him along with Dex. So I presume that Dexter Loomis has magic powers now. And once again, what is the end game of all of this? And why the hell does Dexter Loomis want to do this to the Miz? And I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it. And I realized the best way to explain it 
is with a Street Fighter 2 game over screen. Roll it. So that's right. If you need to explain it to someone that doesn't watch wrestling, instead of going, which is what will come out of your mouth when you try, always relate to Street Fighter 2. We also went to Bailey after this. It was all like, oh man, I'm going to have that contract signing with Bianca Belair later, and I'm going to show her some things haven't changed. We then got a memorial graphic for Antonio Inoki, which I thought was very nice because his impact on the wrestling business is basically unparalleled when it was time for Otis versus Johnny Gargano. Now, before this, we also had a video with Chad Gable, who was bigging up the fact that he is going to take on Braun Strowman later. And we actually gave this some emotion because Chad was like, who helped train you, Braun? It was me. Who had your first match, Braun? It was me. So I know how to take you down. I'm going to do that in around about seven minutes. Before that, though, as I say, it was Otis versus Johnny. This was just a terrible night for the Gargano family because he lost. And do you want to have one guess as to why? If you are sitting there going, well, Simon, I'm sure it was a clean finish and the better man won. You have not been listening to me and you have not been watching WWE because it was distraction finish. Because Gable and Austin Theory were at ringside just causing a nuisance and after Gargano had been thrown out the ring and he saw Theory on commentary, he decided to beat him up, which was a terrible idea because when he went get back into the ring, Austin realized the referee wasn't looking. He took his money in the bank briefcase and he just slammed it onto Johnny Gargano's back. He got hit with the world's strongest slam. One, two, three. Otis. Otis had won. I can't lie, I got very excited about that because I like Otis. But this one really did fall foul from being yet another match. <laughs> Ended with this kind of nonsense, so bring it down. Put another one on that counter, so we do have to give it a down. Although, actually, I'm calling this one on the fly. I'm still pleased that Otis won a match. Ah, who cares? Give it up. And also, I want to make it clear there is no problem with doing this, but you cannot do it back to back to back to back to back to back to back. It just becomes too obvious. Obviously, the Alpha Academy jumped him straight after, which was when Braun Strowman came out to make the save, so we could also do Braun versus Chad Gable. And seriously, ever since Strowman has returned, he has been on a tear. His booking has been magnificent. Also, when it comes to Gable, I mean, why the hell did we ever call him Shorty G and act like he was some kind of walking biscuit? This guy may be one of the best wrestlers in the whole company, and at one point he took Strowman, he pushed him into the ropes, and when he came back, he used his momentum, and he gave him this German suplex, and I must have watched it around about 92 times, and I think it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Hashtag hyperbole. Otis had also continued to be an idiot during all of this. I mean, at one point, he tried to throw Braun over Alan the announce table, so he got ejected. That was actually probably the best thing to do, because we couldn't have more distractions. And I was also like, wait a minute, where has Austin Theory gone? And he had just flubbed off, so he's not a very good friend. Other than that, though, it was just Braun running wild, and he did get the victory after the powerbomb. And the really intriguing part was that Omos and MVP were watching this from backstage on a monitor, which means we must be doing Strowman versus Omos soon. And I don't know what to make about that, but I am going to give this an up. It was a really enjoyable short match. Quick segment with Bobby Lashley, who was super mad at Seth Rollins, to the point he said... Next week, I want to crush his throat so I can never hear that laugh again. Of course, that's a perfectly normal thing to say. And as we've already hinted at, they are having their title match next week. And I stroke my intriguing non beard. And then, of course, it was time for a contract signing, which meant I sat there and I pondered to myself, does anybody else know when the other contracts get signed for the pay-per-views, premium live events? 
And of course, the answer is no. Corey Graves also pointed out that when we get to Saturday and we do do this ladder match, it will be the first time a women's championship has been defended in such a way. And I thought, well, I guess that must be true because I can't think of one. And otherwise, this was just standard Raw segment. Bailey was all like, I tell you why I did pick a ladder match. It's because it represents my climb to the top of the WWE where everything was handed to you. I was a bit like Bales. I don't think you should be choosing matches based on a metaphor. She also just laid out her grand plan here to the point she was a Jane Bond villain. (laughs) She was just filling in all the gaps. When Bianca Belair slipped, would you please shut the hell up? Also, it took you one year to come up with that plan. You need to act quicker. She was right. She also mentioned the whole reason the fans turned on Bailey to begin with is because she was one big faker when she was pretending to be the hugger. And that was quite good. This is when Bales was all like, "Eh, I wonder where my friends are. And clearly they've hired one of the camera people because we cut to the back. Eo Sky and Dakota Kai were breaking up Oscar and Alexa Bliss. I mean, they totally ruined Oscar's leg with a chair too to the point she was basically crying. And Alexa was so mad about it, she looked into the camera and she was like, Eo Sky, I want to take you in a match later. The reason this works so well though is because it's the first proper time that damage control have felt like a threat. Like they were in the ring, they were out of the ring, they were beating everybody up. And there's more to this as well, which we will discuss later, but I am going to give it an up. More of this, please. And then as teased earlier, it was Solar Sokoa versus Angela Dawkins. <laughs> and it ended in a distraction. I mean, I'm not even kidding. And look, I don't know what to do anymore for all the reasons I've already talked about, because I can sit there as a fan and say, yes, this makes perfect sense. Apparently I smoke old fashioned cigars or cigarettes when I'm watching wrestling, even though I never smoked in my life. But it still just feels so lazy. I mean, sometimes you just want one, two, three, clean finish. Otherwise, it was good, though, because Angelo Dawkins has improved like crazy. And Solus Akoa, ever since he's been called up for NXT, has just been the man. So now I totally buy into the fact that he's probably a badass. And look, this did work both ways, to be fair, because Sola had the match won at one point. But Jey Uso and Sami Zayn started arguing the apron because they are a couple of goobers. Sola turned around like, can you please just back off for one second? And by the time he made the pin, Dawkins kicked out. Sokoa probably gave Sammy a glare here too, so now he's gaslighting the shit out of him as well. And at one point, Dawkins did a dive onto the Usos. Even though Sammy Dane was there, he got out of the way. So once again, we planted those seeds. He still got super mad at Angelo because he was like, how dare you take out my family? So of course, Dawkins gave him a punch. But there it was. There was the distraction. Why didn't the referee care about this? You think he cared to some kind of degree. So when Angelo Dawkins got back in the ring, he got hit with that spinning rock bottom thing. One, two, three. Solas and Color wins. I am going to give it an up though because the bloodline stuff is just the best at the moment. But also, I've already made it clear, I'm throwing it down on there too mostly because bring it back, there's the counter. Plus one, it's getting out of control again. Theory then challenged Gargano to a match on next week's Raw because they're not friends anymore. When we cut to a pre tape promo with Edge where he was just sitting in a ring, actually it was pretty good. Because he told us that the Edge of today is as close to the real Adam Copeland as possible. And given that he now is in his mid-40s, every single match is getting harder and harder and harder. Not just because of the toll it's taken on his body, but because he's got a family now. And when he is creeping around at home, he feels sad when his daughter's like, Daddy, why are you doing this? Even despite all this, though, he is going to murder Finn Balor at Extreme Rules. And he's so damn passionate about this and his loved ones that he will never say the words, I quit. And that was basically it. But I stood there and I thought, man, Edge, you really know how to get me all jazzed up. Even though I've said that word, 
give it up. This did mean that our main event was indeed EO Sky taking on Alexa Bliss, and isn't it nice that the women are being placed in this spot all the time? The more we do it, the more normalised it becomes, and that should be the way. Everybody also was at ringside for this, though. So once again, it was just another distraction fest. I mean, at one point, Bailey and Dakota Kai grabbed Bianca Belair, and they just threw her into Simba the Still Steps. That forced Alexa, who basically had the thing once, to go, oh man, I've got to go deal with these idiots now. So she did a big dive onto them. But then she made that cardinal wrestler sin in 2022 when she decided to go for the top rope. And listen to me. If you have just gone and stopped interference, do not climb up that turnbuckle because somebody will go poof and they'll stop you. That's what happened as well because Sky cut her off. She gave her an air raid crash and then hit the moonsault and she pinned her for the one, two, three. So Alexa Bliss had made the challenge and she had lost. So of course, bring it back down. What is that? Six, seven? I've lost count. But of course, this one will be correct. I can't actually believe it. Damage Control did go nuts after this, though, because they were just smacking everyone with ladders. And at one point, Oscar, even though she had one leg, kind of dragged herself to the ring, and she looked so cool doing this. But she, as well, was beaten down. It meant that Raw ended with all the good guys on the floor, but all the bad guys stood tall with the belts. And isn't this just the smartest thing in the world? Because we are building to the Women's War Games match, and you've already got the pieces in place. I've now got this funny feeling in my tum-tum that Becky Lynch may return at the pay-per-view premium live event and maybe she costs Bailey winning, which means Bianca Belair keeps the championship. But once again, you've got another component on the good side. It gets a round of applause to the point. I ain't even going to give it a down. I'm just going to give it an up. If only this had only been the distraction on the night, everything would have been okay. Which did bring us to the end of Raw. And I do have to admit, in terms of a Triple H show, this one was a little all over the place. But it still did a decent job in building to that extreme rules. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I am giving it up. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.